Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, and I'm also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery Nutrition Certification Program. You can find more information about that at holistichealthmastery.com. And I am totally excited about introducing today's interview and this was an incredible conversation in the very first conversation of many more interviews on the subject of yoga and we really dive full on into the principles the eight limb philosophy the the dynamics of a yoga practice and all the different diversity of yoga out there and really how this practice of maintaining a state of dynamic presence within the movement practice can really take your life to a completely new level. And I know that personally of my my yoga practice. I don't have a consistent yoga practice all the time, but I have trained with some incredible people and it does challenge me in ways that are different than, you know, running up a hill or lifting weights very intensely or something of that nature. It's a different challenge. It's the challenge of the mind to be present in uncomfortable sensations and circumstances. So our guest really dives in and pulls up a lot of jewels that I think everyone's going to enjoy. And my guest is Andrew Seeley. Andrew Seeley is a good friend and a very well-known yogi and yoga instructor um, all over the internet. He has amazing acro yoga pictures all over Instagram and just amazing things that this man is capable of doing and inspires people all over the world. And that's why I had to have him on the show and really share his experience, how he got into yoga in the first place and why this passion drives him. So without further ado, I am going to introduce Mr. Andrew Seeley. Enjoy. Andrew Seeley is a connection catalyst, a yoga artist, and a movement creator. His days are spent traveling to find adventures, practicing to cultivate growth, and constantly absorbing wisdom to creating new experiences that he shares with love to friends around the world. Through the unique practice of yoga and mindful living, Andrew embodies progressive knowledge while positively influencing and empowering his students. Andrew's teachings aim to answer the question, how can we adapt to create and evolve to sustain? Follow him on Instagram and Facebook, and here he is on the show. Yes, indeed. How's it going today, Ronnie? It's going good. Very good. Just over here in bright and sunny Kauai. I just got out of the beach uh, about an hour ago before I got onto this call, and uh, everything is great. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm over here enjoying the sunshine a little ways away, but uh-huh. over here in Santa Monica, sunny California, just having a wonderful day, knocking out some work and enjoying this Friday afternoon. Beautiful. And you were here on Kauai not that long ago. Yes, I was there. Just um, only, what was it, two months ago? Yeah, it was for the New Year's. Goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, 
it was an amazing time, and that island is something else. It's a <laughs> completely beautiful place of lively energy, and a good friend of mine actually invited me to come there to visit her, and uh, she's a beekeeper, and she showed me around the island, um, told me a little bit about the kind of like the wealth of enrichment of the island mm. and how the soil is so nourishing there and how the ecosystem works. And I got the full island tour and um, got the, the the amazing tour of the, the secret little Kalalau Beach over there as yeah. well, mm-hmm. which was awesome. So I've definitely um, had my fair share of 14 days on Kauai. Yeah, well, look forward to having you back here sometime very soon, I hope. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure I'll be back soon enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, right on. So uh, to start our conversation, uh, I would love for you to share just how you got interested in yoga. I know that's a major part of your life, and that is a huge thing that you're known for, um, being a yoga artist, as you say, and a movement creator. So what got you interested in yoga in the first place? And tell us a little bit about the journey that led you to the work you do now. Yeah, completely. Um, that's a story in itself. Um, <laughs> it's been quite a journey thus far. And yoga was first revealed to me by my mother, actually, when I was about 15 years old. And at the time, I completely disregarded it as a practice and I kind of was like, Mom, I don't know what you're doing trying to take me to this yoga class. I have no Mm. idea what these guys are talking about. Um, At the time, she took me to a full-on guru um, who was a huge disciple of Patabi Joyce and Krishnamacharya, and he would teach in Sherman Oaks, California. And my mother really enjoyed his teachings and, you know, felt that he was a profound teacher Um, So she would go to his class every single Wednesday and Saturday, and she would, you know, pull me along after soccer practice um, to go and take this class, and at first, my mindset was just like, this is complete jargon, and I just just didn't see any value to it, Um, and soon after, I, I began to realize the value behind the yoga as I would pull my muscles in, um, soccer and I was playing competitive soccer at the time and I just found my body really taking a toll. Um, but I didn't continue with yoga seriously until I was in college. Um, I was studying microbiology at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and I ended up, um, also having another injury. It was this time it was in my hips. Um, I had really tight hips, um, and my psoas muscle um, would often get overextended mm. or um, to the point where it would get inflamed. And I had a girlfriend at the time who would come to my house and literally give me a massage and beg me to go to Bikram Yoga with her. And I was like, no way I'm going to this hot yoga class with you, like, this is for girls. There's no way that I'm going to this thing. Like, I don't stretch. Like, we don't need to stretch. I, I, I'm i like the fastest kid on the soccer team. Like, we've got this covered. No worries. Like, you know, everything's all good. And she basically just 
she told me that I had to come. You know, she was like, you have got to come with me to soccer. Or sorry, <laughs> you've got to come with me to Bikram Yoga. And I just so happened that one day I, I was like, okay, fine, I'm coming with you to Bikram Yoga. And at the time I was, you know, a 19-year-old college kid binge drinking, um, you know, hoping to get on the, the starting team for um, Cal Poly soccer team and you know, it just seemed like yoga was so far-fetched that I wouldn't even be someone to practice it. But I took a chance, and I decided to step my foot into a Bikram yoga class at 105 degrees and 80% humidity and sweat my butt off for 90 minutes. And um, it really changed my life. Like, within one class... I already knew that it was going to be something that would be instrumental in bringing me focus and bringing me alignment. And immediately, I could feel a transformation in my body from 90 minutes earlier. And while I was looking around in the class and I was watching, you know, 45-year-old women and 50-year-old men doing things that I could only imagine doing at 19, I was like, I should be able to do this. Like, I'm young and... I'm on, you know, the soccer team, like, training double days. Like, why am I not able to do this? I should be able to figure this out. And so it really, it really immediately took a hold of me, and I started going back every single day after that first class. Well, that is quite a story and really interesting how you were very adverse to it and had no real interest in it, and then all of a sudden it took a hold of you and really changed your life. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it takes um, something to be presented to you at the right time. Right. And at that time in my life, I was very lost. You know, I was just trying to, you know, fit in at that college age where, you know, being in a fraternity was cool and you know, hanging out with your friends and drinking all the time was cool. And, you know, I, I needed something more. I needed something that really challenged not only my body, but my mind. And I wanted to go beyond just the, you know, surface relationships. And um, the girlfriend at the time who took me was an awesome person who really opened up my mind to um, how, how beneficial the practice of yoga was. And, you know, we continued to go to Bikram yoga together. And, uh, even when she stopped going, I continued to go. And, uh, it actually kind of transformed into a mentor of mine at the software company that I was working for at the time. Um, her name was Christy Winning. And she was the director, or she was actually the regional sales manager at MindBody Online. Mm. And are you familiar with MindBody Online? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so I, I was working at MindBody Online as a sales associate, cold calling people, um, you know, every single day after school. And so I worked there part time and um, worked there a lot of hours during the summer and realized that, you know, I could definitely do that and go to Bikram yoga and, you know, fully sustain some good grades. 
and it just kind of evolved into my sales manager being really fond of what I was doing as far as going to Bikram yoga. And I found out that she was a Bikram yoga teacher at the same studio. Um, she taught the morning classes at 6am. And so she said, Hey, you know, if you'd like to come to some of my classes, I'll be able to give you some better tips on getting more sales. And so I would go to the early morning classes and get the inside scoop as to, you know, what she was doing um, and how I could actually boost my sales and really get some one-on-one -on -one attention from her. And that kind of segued into my more um, in-depth learning of yoga. Um, so I started getting more sales, and in the whole process of getting more sales, I was doing more yoga, and I actually got invited to this conference called the Yoga Journal Conference. Are you familiar with that conference? Um, I, not totally. I mean, I think I've heard of it, but I'm not really. I have so many friends that are so deep in the yoga world. I, I get like runoff news, but I'm not <laughs> deep into it. So I, I can't say like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, totally. Um, so it, it's, I mean, Yoga Journal is, I, I believe the most uh, read yoga publication in the world. Um, it's international, and Yoga Journal is a huge uh, magazine, and they also have these events around um, the whole United States, and they also have these Yoga Journal conferences where they invite the most reputable teachers from all around the world to come and teach, and they also invite... Um, you know, obviously different vendors and uh, different businesses. And because there's so many teachers and so many studio owners, uh, MindBody was a sponsor of the Yoga Journal event. And so MindBody takes their, their best sales reps and sends them out there um, to be able to interact with these yogis and um, obviously pitch the sales software to the yoga studio owners. Um, so Christy Winning invited me to, uh, you know, go out to Yoga Journal San Diego with her. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, only two years into me doing yoga. Um, I've never been to a big yoga conference and I've never actually taken a vinyasa class. I've only taken a Bikram yoga class in my life. So um, other than the few yoga classes that I went to with my mom when I was like 16 years old, you know. Mm. So I go to this this yoga conference and... I'm sitting at the booth 90% of the time, um, you know, interacting with these different yoga studio owners, talking to these different yogis who walk by the booth and, you know, just, you know, keeping good conversation, taking leads, uh, doing demos of the software. And it just so happens that um, Christy decides that, oh, you know, on the last day, she's going to hang out with her friend and um, do some demos at the booth so I can go ahead and take some classes. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, which classes should I take? She's like, okay, you should definitely check out Dharma Mitra. And you should also check out Sean Korn. And you should probably also check out David Swenson. And so these are like three of the most amazing yoga teachers. Um, Sean Korn is known to be one of the most just reputable teachers and activist. Um, she also teaches... Um, politicians and lobbyists and lots of people who are very high in government positions. And then you've got Dharma Mitra, who's been 
teaching yoga since the beginning of time. He's mm-hmm. 75 years old. I know, I know did, about Dharma. Yeah, he does a no-handed headstand. <laughs> like, he's on his head. Unbelievable. Past. Yes. And then David Swinson is um, one of the devotees of Patabi Joyce, who's literally one of the grandfathers of yoga. And so... I end up taking these three classes, and my mind is completely blown. Like, I just went from doing 26 postures in a 105 degrees room to doing more postures than I could even name, um, most of which I didn't even see or have even heard of before, and learning from some of the best teachers, and fully grasping a whole entire new subject that I now know as yoga. Um, At first, Bikram yoga was the only thing I knew, which was kind of like, it's like the equivalent of, um, oh, goodness. The best way that I could describe it is this. It's like the equivalent of being a... (laughs) Okay, It's, it's like the equivalent of being an astronomer um, who's only seen stars in a book mm-hmm. versus someone who's gone to the Griffith Observatory and seen stars with Neil Tyson Degrassi like sitting there pointing them out to you and explaining what they are. Mm. And so the, the, the fact of having a, a teacher who's there to guide you, who has the knowledge and is that passionate about bringing you to a place where you can truly see the luster of those stars is the same way that these teachers presented yoga to me. Wow. Yeah, and so it really completely changed my lens on how I saw yoga, and ever since then, my yoga perception completely broadened, and it became less of a practice and more of a passion. Mm. That's beautiful. So, how long have you been teaching now? I've been teaching for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, I guess at some point, you, 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 um, you know, you got uh, apt enough in your own practice and your own evolution where you were able to start leading others, and then that became a huge like driving force for you, right? Yeah, um, so soon after I, actually right after the Yoga Journal conference, I went back to my office desk at MindBody, and uh, by this time I was working as a representative, and I actually decided to drop out of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo for microbiology and work full-time. I was offered a position as a software sales specialist, and... I was like, hmm, you know, there's people who are graduating from Cal Poly who are literally applying for the same job that they're offering me right now as a third year in college. I should probably take this opportunity. So I decided to take it, and I figured, you know, they also give me 50 mind-body bucks, which means that every single um, half of the month, Every single pay period, I had $50 to take whatever classes I wanted. So I had, you know, stuck to doing regular yoga, 
But at that time, I was like, you know, I'd rather explore something new. And I asked one of my, um, one of the women who worked at Mind Body, who was a good friend of mine, her name was Roxy. It's like, you know, Roxy, um, I'm looking to do a teacher training because I really want to expand my knowledge of yoga. She was like, oh, well, have you ever been to the yoga center? I said, you know, no, I've never been. I just, you know, I've been to Bikram yoga and that's it. She's like, oh my goodness. Well, you have to go to the yoga center and there's this guy named Rocky Heron who's teaching a yoga teacher training, and I'm not sure when it starts, but um, you should definitely give them a call and see if you can hop in. I was like, well, you know, how long is the yoga teacher training? She's like, 200 hours. Like, goodness, like, how long does that take? She's like, you know, it'll probably be like four months or so. Mm. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, to become a teacher of yoga, that's how long it takes? Four months? And she's like, yeah, I mean, they do it probably every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of every other week so that you can really absorb the knowledge. And I'm like, okay, like, this is going to be pretty serious, you know? This is going to be an actual immersion of yoga. Am I ready for this? Yeah, I think so. So I gave um, the yoga center a call, and um, one of the front desk people just picks up and they're like, Oh, you know, hello. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I really want to sign up for this yoga teacher training with Rocky Heron. And it was Wednesday and they're like, Oh yeah, well it starts on Friday and we have one more spot. And I was mm. like, Oh my goodness. Are you serious? Well, sign me up then, you know, I'm ready to do this. Let's make it happen. And wow. so I got signed up for my yoga teacher training and I ended up walking into the first day of yoga teacher training on that Friday, um, like dressed in my little tiny Bikram yoga shorts. And the teacher is this six foot five African American dude. And he just looks at me and he's like, you must be Andrew Seeley. And I was like, uh, yes. Huh. And he's like, uh, well, you'll need a pen and a paper and probably some pants. And I was like, okay. So I went back into the changing room, got all back in my clothes, and whipped out my computer because I didn't actually bring any pen or paper because I was expecting teacher training to be like 200 hours of training. That's what I expected because I was like, you know, I'm ready for practice. I didn't understand that the depth of yoga was more of the the books and the learning and really um, what they call like the jhanas, the knowledge, the knowledge of actually understanding the depth of the yoga and uh, more of the other limbs of yoga other than the asana. Mm -hmm. Because in yoga, it's an eight-limbed practice. It's really more than just the physical practice, but it also entails the morals and um, more of the breath work and more of what happens beyond just the physical practice. Right. Um, let's talk about those eight limbs, for example. Yeah, totally. Um, so... The first limb of yoga is the yamas, which are like the observances, like the things that you do want to do. And then there's the niyamas, which are the things that you uh, do your best to stay away from, um, or like the things that are kind of not the best for you. Um, so in yoga, you know, there's these practices that bring you to kind of like a, a higher... A higher, a higher purity. So in the sense of uh, things that you eat, um, your character, 
um, like cleanliness. Mm-hmm. Um, those are like uh, the niyamas. So they're like the rules of conduct, like the things that you want to apply to discipline. And um, then there's like, you know, the yamas, which are like the universal application is what they call it. And then beyond that, you get into the third limb. And the third limb is literally just the simple practice of asana, right? And so it's like, whoa, asana is only the third limb. And then from asana, you get the pranayam. And pranayam is simply breath control. It's finding the breath and finding the observance of your breath. And then after the breath control becomes the pratyahara. And pratyahara is the idea that you can actually release yourself from your senses. So becoming so far transmuted from yourself as a feeling, tasting, seeing, hearing, touching, being, and actually becoming just the self as a immersive being of all oneness. And then after Pratyahara um, comes, um, I believe it's, um, I'm going to say it's Dharana. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Dhyana. Let me just make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. After Pratyahara comes Dharana. And dharana is when you're able to actually temper your body in such a way that allows you to find, like, full meditation. Like, Mm. full single-pointed concentration, right? And then beyond that comes dhyana, and that is when you've become so full of this concentration that... Ah, it's it's almost in the sense of... um, Becoming one with not only what you're concentrating on, but all of the essence that's in between you and that source of concentration. And then what they call is the eighth, the eighth limb, um, which is like the most high ascension, is samadhi. And samadhi is what they call the supreme bliss. It's the place of the one becomes the one and the all is one. Um, Meaning that there's no separation between you or any being or anything that is here and will always be here and is and was and infinite. It's just the infinite understanding of being in supreme bliss. Mm. And so they say that when yogis reach this place of samadhi, they are in this place of infinite meditation where there's no time, there's no space, there's only supreme bliss. And it's said that people like the Buddha have reached this place and people like Christ have reached this place. And um, the reason that they're actually called bodhisattvas, um, which are people who have reached this place but now have come back to us um, people who are humans and people who are uh, regular mortals or whatever you'd like to call us, um, you know, sages on our way to becoming bodhisattvas, um, the reason that they've come back is to actually teach us these lessons and to 
teach us the path to reach this highest level of samadhi so that one day we can come back and enlighten others upon our path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> mm, beautiful, <laughs> yeah. I know that's an incredibly important aspect of the yogic teaching, so I really appreciate you laying that out for us. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's a blessing to be able to share it. I feel that nowadays, especially with the amount of you know Instagram yoga and <laughs> self-taught yogis and mm-hmm. people that go to you know a few yoga classes or watch two yoga classes online and now you know they're like i'm a yogi you know (laughs) check it out i can Mm -hmm. do the splits i'm a yogi have you seen my handstand i'm a yogi you know it's like (laughs) it's great that they're enthusiastic about yoga and it's beautiful to see the amount of yoga that's being shared across platforms that's being shared on such a vast array of um, social media media on the radio now it's everywhere um but it's so beautiful to be able to really um, view into the depth of yoga and really understand the dynamics of where this practice truly originates from. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing going on with all ancient forms of uh, medicine or herbalism or uh, yoga in this case or any other form of martial arts as well is there's a um there's kind of a cultural watering down to make it more accessible to uh I would say like the lethargy of the west <laughs> yeah. uh and which which you know on one end it's like hey it is really great that these things are more accessible but it's unfortunate in the sense that it gives a lot of people the wrong idea um of what this art form could be with more diligence and more um, more dedication towards the consistent exploration of it versus just kind of getting like a little bit of like a, you know, like again, like a watered down manual or like you said, like somebody is able to do the splits or a handstand or more of one of the more of the material or, or even superficial expressions of it, but don't really internalize and do the self-cultivation, which is essentially what the yoga practice is, in my view. Um, The physical Mm -hmm. ability to do a pose for a certain amount of time with complete mindfulness is just a... It's an outer expression of the inner condition of that person, right? Yes. And to me, that's the yoga. So, like, when I'm doing, like, body work and I'm laying there and somebody's working into very sensitive parts of my body... That to me is like a yoga, mm-hmm. and I have to like di- and I have to sink myself down into uh, you know different places where I can I can do my best to relax, but at the same time I'm going through a very uncomfortable experience, and I'm I'm trying to stay present so I don't become hyper reactive. Like so, to me, like that's kind of the same thing that I experience in a really intense yoga class. Yep. That's that's very true to the physical and mental capacity of how to release yourself from your senses to really experience your body being able to expand and contract in such a way that your mind can fully grasp 
ooh, this is a mind-body-breath connection. You know, how can I, as a being, fully absorb all of the wisdom, all of the physical sensuality and the full extension of the breath and the awareness that the breath brings to the muscles, the body, and the mind to really embody that practice. And that's that's honestly why I love yoga because when I get on my mat, it's a full exploration of how I can expand into my being. Mm. So that's that's a that's a form of meditation in of itself. Yeah, I, that's why I call it a moving meditation. Mm-hmm. People ask me like, "What type of yoga do you teach?" I'm like, "I would say it's mindful moving meditation." They're mm. like, "Hmm, that's pretty interesting." Like, I've only heard of vinyasa. I've only heard of Bikram. Oh, is mm. that like Hatha yoga? <laughs> you know, it's like it it doesn't really have to have a label it's you know what is your yoga to you right you know for some people their yoga is cooking for other people their yoga is martial arts um you know yoga i feel is just a it really is just a an artful practice and when you bring mindful movement to anything and then you attach your breath to it you're bringing forth that yogic mindset that allows you to be able to move mindfully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm curious, uh, how has yoga influenced the rest of your lifestyle or even vice versa? So the things that aren't necessarily yoga related or they are related, but, um, their different functions of your lifestyle, like how have those things been enhanced or influenced by yoga, and how have they, how have those things possibly influenced your yoga as well? Oh well, when it comes to lifestyle, I mean, I feel that like the the oh goodness, I can't say that the best way to be a yogi is. Uh, but I would say that within within the eight limbs of yoga, there's definitely a sense of structure. There's definitely a sense of, just like in martial arts, there's belts, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's the white belt is where you start and then you go on to yellow belt. And I don't know the exact structure, but black belt is usually the highest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... In yoga, like you have these eight limbs, and as you continue on your practice, you're able to, you know, transcend just the the asana and this kind of stuff. And some of the most prominent limbs are the first ones, which are the yamas and niyamas. And a lot of it is just observing simple things like healthy eating. And, you know, it speaks of satcha, which is like literally keeping your your body and your mind clean. And ahimsa, which is literally, you know, not speaking of any violence or not hurting anything, mm-hmm. any one being. And I think that these are just simple truths. And these simple truths are 
you know, ethics. They're ethical disciplines that we can choose to abide by as human beings. And I guess it was written, are these, you know, eight limbs, which is called like the, the Ashtanga Yoga, which is the eight limbs of yoga. They were originally written in such a time where most people had these morals already, you know, in their mindset before the time of TV and radio, when parents actually, you know, sat down with their kids and ate food together and said grace before they ate. It's like, you know, they had these things already in their mindset, you know, when people would go out to their gardens and pick the food of which they would cook for the evening and the children would help the parents prepare the food in which they would eat as a family. It's like all of these things were already so much so a part of their lifestyle, but now they've become so distant that we have to relearn them. And so I would say that, you know, my lifestyle is very much so attuned to um, what some would say is kind of like that that old school lifestyle of simplicity. Like I go to the farmer's market and I get all of my groceries and, um, you know, I make sure to get all of the farm fresh organic goodness that I need in my body. And I eat a vegan diet because I know that the cleanliness of eating a vegan diet allows my body to work at top performance. And people look at the postures that I do and they're like, oh my goodness, how do I do that? How do I move my body like that? Mm. I'm like, really, all it takes is living a true life, living a life of truth that truly aligns with you. And that life of truth is literally a fundamental observance of what goes in your body is the energy that you're going to put out into every single situation. And so, you know, it's what you eat. It's how you think. It's the everyday presence of how you interact with other beings it's, you know, how you treated that person that cut you off on the freeway. <laughs> it's how you talked to your mother, you know, the last time that she called you on the phone. It's how, you know, you treated the last girl that you hooked up with. It's like all of those are interactions that literally shape our happiness and literally shape who we are as human beings and how we react to one another on a whole atmosphere of interconnected energy and so in yoga they talk a lot of karma and you know how imperative it is to live a life of not good karma but of equal karma mm -hmm. so it's not meaning that you're pushing you know so much good that you know all of a sudden you're gonna be so on the good scale that bam yeah you're good to go you're the best yogi ever it's more so living a life of equal karma, meaning that you've balanced out your karmic line to the point where you've become almost in a sense like limitless. Like you don't have any limits. Like you, you have made such happiness in your bliss that your dharma as a human being, your, your walking on the path has become so aligned with the earth that really there is no good or bad to your actions. They are only actions. And mm -hmm. then you move freely through life as a being of light, living true essence through the purity of your being. That's a fantastic explanation. 
I'm I'm just doing my best, man. I, I, I you know, it just no, it it's just no, flows. it's it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I mean, this is the whole point is to really um, unlayer a lot of the surface of this subject, all the subjects that are brought on this show, and really get down uh, piece by piece to kind of the core essence. Mm-hmm. And I'm so with that said, I am curious, like, well, you've kind of already touched on this or you've really expanded into this. Um, this was a previous question that I was wanting to ask, but I'll kind of ask just to see if it brings up anything new. If not, we can move on. But I was wondering, what is the core philosophy of yoga that you personally work from in your practice? Because I noticed that you're not really um, wanting to box yourself in with any label of Ashtanga or Hatha or maybe even Dharma Yoga or um, any of these other modalities, um, you are, I, I know you came from a certain, uh, a certain philosophy and a certain modality of practice, but it seems to me that you are a little more into the free form flow and whatever whatever that expression wants to be. So, yeah, anyways, what is kind of the core philosophy that you work from? I would say... Mm, uh, I, I mean, the word that resonates most with me whenever people ask me questions similar to this is tapas vadyaya. So, like... Tapas means like the burning, the purification. It, it's similar to the idea that you know when you burn gold, and you're you're burning it from you know the sand and the the muck and all the dirt that's around it. You're purifying it, you know, and then you you have just the purest form of gold because all of the other stuff has been burned off. And mm-hmm. when you have this purest form of gold, the purest form of gold shines bright. And so the, the tapa svadhyaya, svadhyaya is looking in with oneself, like looking deep within yourself to truly find the essence of your being. And I think that the burning purification um, that you go through in yoga to find yourself is is the, the it's it's the basis of what I practice. It's it's every single day when I wake up in the morning and it could be, you know, a 10 minute stretch or an hour to 2 hour long full on sweaty practice on my mat right here in my home studio. It's like whatever it is as long as I am looking within myself deeply to to purify myself to become the most clear vessel for light that I can possibly be that is yoga to me Hmm. so it's kind of the alchemical perspective of turning lead into gold so to speak yeah yeah Mm -hmm. because I think that within every single human being no matter if you're you know, fat, skinny, tall, small, midget, you know, no legs, two eyes, deaf, hard of hearing, colorblind. 
everyone has a gift and something to share. And whether it's with their body, with their mind, with their musical talent, with their cooking skill, with their amazing ears, with, you know, whatever it is, their artistic ways, it's like everyone has a purpose here on this earth. And to truly find that purpose, you must go deep within yourself and have a burning desire to let that passion shine from within you. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I feel truly connected with in yoga is the, the tapasvadhyaya. And then dedicating that, that light, that love towards the world, towards, you know, everyone who you wish to uplift because... We're just a, a whole bunch of moving energy, moving, vibrating energy. And it's like, how can we uplift and raise all the vibes of those around us? Absolutely. Hmm. So for people that are listening that may still be new to yoga, uh, maybe they've had a little bit of experience with it. Um, do you recommend any certain types of yoga practices that might be better suited for different people or, um, you know, what is, what does that look like in your opinion? The, the only type of yoga that I recommend to everyone is the only type that I've ever known, which is go do yoga. (laughs) I had a feeling it was, you were going to say something like that. Seriously, like there's so many different types, there's so many different classes, and nowadays there's yoga on every single street corner. Mm-hmm. You can type yoga into Google and you'll find at least two studios in your neighborhood. And if you just so happen to not find two studios in your neighborhood, you can hop online to Yoga Glow, My Yoga Online, um, Guillaume Yoga. There's so many different resources to watch yoga you can even go on youtube and get a full yoga class for free it's it's really easy mm-hmm. you can check out andrew7seely.com and i'm going to have online classes where you can actually practice with me fully on edgify and like all of these things are going to be completely accessible to everyone and there's there's no one right yoga for any one person The reason that there's so many yogas out there is because there's going to be a perfect fit for someone. Mm -hmm. There's there's so many yogas. It's like there's Raja yoga, there's, you know, laughing yoga, there's Kundalini yoga, Mm. there's Bikram yoga, there's Dawn yoga, there's Nam yoga, there's Sweat yoga. You know, it's like pick and choose Mm -hmm. which one is right for you. Just do it. Okay, let's how about this? Is there would there be something? Let's say somebody is being offered up all these different options to take and they are somebody coming from um a debilitative situation like they need something that's restorative, not something that's going to be necessarily maybe like a like a power yoga kind of thing where it could like there's somebody that has physical limitations and they need something therapeutic is there something along those lines that would be a little more specific oh totally yeah if you need something therapeutic then go for yin yoga okay 
Yeah, there there's slow yogas. There, I mean, you just gotta search it up. I mean, Google is your number one source for all things everything. That place, <laughs> Google knows it all. If you have a question, Google can answer it for you. I I always, you know, when my students ask me, oh well, you know, how am I supposed to do this posture? I have a book that I reference, which is called Light on Yoga. Um, if that one doesn't work, I have plenty of other books, but it's really, hmm, I could Google this same question and I'll get at least three highly reputable sources that will give me really good answers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I could sit here and tell you, but really the most important thing is for you to find out on yourself because if you find out by your own account how exactly to get into a posture or which yoga is right for you, then you'll go through the experience of truly feeling and embodying this practice to allow it to really become part of your own knowledge base. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that is ten times more important than someone just, you know, pushing you into, oh, this is the right class for you. Like you'll you'll never really know what the right class is for you until you find it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, totally agree with that. Ah, beautiful. Well, is there any any parting words that you would like to share with the audience? Um, to just I don't know. I I feel like you you def- you definitely just left a really great. Um, segue for people to find out what um how to get started if they haven't gotten started but anything at all yoga or non-yoga related i guess it's all yoga related when you think about it but yeah yeah i mean i would highly recommend everyone to check out uh, my podcast yoga revealed um it touches on some of the most amazing topics about yoga from some of the most reputable and well-known teachers from all around the world. And we're talking people who have practiced yoga for over 40 and 50 years and some who have been teaching for over 30 years. So if you're looking for in-depth wisdom about yoga and um, just a really vulnerable way to tap into yoga without jumping into a classroom then I would say that's a great place to start. And my word of advice for all the amazing people listening out there to Ronnie's podcast is to be the most beautiful person that you can possibly be by truly believing in yourself, knowing that you are worthy. Like, Just know that you're here, you're listening to this for a reason, and that in itself should be a result of knowing that you're here for a purpose, a purpose bigger than maybe you can even imagine. But know that you're worthy of this knowledge and that you're worthy of being the best version of yourself possible. And I'd just like to leave you guys with that. Mm. And just love yourself, truly. Mm. Beautiful. Um, and that website you just gave us, is that your website? Yeah, yogareveal.com is my re- website. Okay, yogareveal.com. <laughs> and then also people can f- can connect with you on social media? Yep, at Andrew7Seely. 
Andrew Sevencelli. So that would be like Facebook. And Inst- I know you have a. I, I mean, I know your Instagram is huge, and you always post these amazing photos. Um, same thing with Facebook of you really demonstrating some unbelievable. Um, asanas and different things that you're able to do with your body and I've seen some of your um, uh, geez what what is the term oh acro yoga uh, (laughs) stuff which is just like totally mind-blowing yeah I love acro yoga man Uh (laughs) anytime next time I see you I'm totally gonna fly you (laughs) nobody's actually ever gotten gotten me to uh, do that yet so um, you may you may be the first yeah, I'm going to be teaching um, in Oahu, actually, three days from now. Goodness. Oh, wow. Or, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be at Wonderlust in Oahu, so I'm going to be right around the corner from you. Okay, <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe the, the some synchronicities will show up, and you'll end up back here in Kauai right after that. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll, <laughs> be, you, I'll be there till the if, 7th, so okay. I, I might as well make a little island hop. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. You make an island hop, and I'll hop on top of uh, however you want to fly me, and I will, I will just <laughs> do it. I'll jump right in. awesome Robbie well thank you so much for having me here today I really appreciate it my pleasure thanks for being with us and everyone I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show with our guest Andrew Seeley definitely check out his work check out his website his social media platforms all the amazing stuff that he's putting out there into the airwaves Really remarkable stuff. So thank you guys for tuning in. And until next time, aloha. Blessings. Peace.